everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Hey guys, I'm Nancy, the Chief Flying Pig Wrangler, and I help entrepreneurs and business owners who know they have to make a move, but they don't want to just to move. They want to make it in a more sane, strategic, and systematic way, and they want to stop spinning their wheels. I know our guest today has some insight into that, so grab your pens and paper and get started taking notes. It's going to be good. Welcome, Shane Salk. Thank you so much for having me. Shane, tell us a little bit about what brought you here, why you want to be a part of this podcast, and why we need to listen to what you have to say? <laughs> well, I am an entrepreneur. I am trained as an actor. Uh, I have a, a degree in, in theater, uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts in, in theater performance, but I graduated in 2008, and that was not a great year to graduate college in terms of finding work inside, outside the industry, all of this stuff. So currently, I started uh, a company that's a recording studio. But one of the biggest things for me is I am severely dyslexic. I've been dyslexic my whole life. The last time I was tested, which was, I don't even know what year we're in now, was around 2000, probably around 2004. But at that time, I was just going to college and I had a reading level of a fourth grader which when people hear all these things, they get a very clear image of what they believe I'm all about and my intelligence level and, and all that stuff. But currently I run a pretty successful business. I, I create audio series, which are full cast, full sound effects, full musical, original musical score shows. And they do really well. I have for my original project that I started years and years and years ago, I have over 200 million downloads on that. And uh, the current show I do is called Car Serum, and we're doing really well. I just got back from a conference where I gave a speech and a talk on how you should do this correctly. But if you go I to podcast have... movement, I did go to podcast. I'm movement. jealous. Uh, <laughs> it was it was fun. Uh, yeah, get, uh, if I wasn't giving a talk, I pro I might not have gone, only because you know going to Tennessee at a time like you know all this stuff, but been taking COVID tests. I'm healthy. I'm still negative. So that's all good. Got shot up a couple months ago. Yeah. One of the biggest things for me is, is running a company, running a team. But if I get an email, if, if my introductions to you is an email, I have a hard time with that because uh, people, when I proofread things, I read, and I've done this my whole life. I read what I know is supposed to be there not what's actually there. So I can, I'm can. i a very bad proofreader, learning to read. I remember reading in first grade, second grade, learning to read. And while other kids were reading and, and all this stuff, I was figuring out what the words were based on what other words I could figure out in the sentence. So my brain literally says, well, we know what's supposed to be there. So that's what we're going to read because that's how I learned how to read. Just a question, and because this is all this podcast is all about tools and strategies. Yeah. Do you use any of the tools that are out there that allow you to turn text into talk? I do. I mean, I constant like just on my phone. I use Siri all the time. Uh, in high school, 
before text to talk was a really big thing. I had a, uh, a thing that didn't work great, but I can't even remember what the name of it was. But yes, I constantly are using the talk to text tools, which is really, really great for me. You still have to proofread that stuff. It's not the same as, you know, having someone to you know read into a recorder and have somebody dictate it the way they used to do back in the day. But, but it you know, helps you actually comprehend when somebody sends you something, correct? Right, right. I'm just a very slow reader. I'm not like, there's a lot of different forms of dyslexia. That's one of the things that I try to express to people. There are people that literally look at a page and sort of can't even see that there are letters there or they just look like they're all in the wrong order. There's a form of dyslexia where you just can't read black on white you change the color of the text or the color of the, the paper and you can read just fine. Mine is a lot more phonetic based. So I'll read, cause again, I'm so slow at it. I read phonetically what's there. My reading pace is about the same level out loud as it is in my head, which is not the same for most people as it turns out. Because I've been dyslexic my whole life and somehow I, I gained confidence at a young age of certain things or, or I realized that this doesn't make me stupider than other people that I remember in middle school, there were other people, other kids that were dyslexic and teachers would have me talk to them because they would feel very, very, I mean, I'm very self-conscious about it, but again, I don't see it as a, I'm stupider than somebody else, but there are people that feel that way. And medically. So in, in high school, we had to, I had to write a thesis to graduate high school. I went to a high school that wanted us to do that. And so I wrote a 22 page thesis. We had to come up with a, something that we had to prove. We actually had to present it. So my thesis statement was something along the lines of, we should be using a phonetic alphabet. The reason I use that is because I wanted to write a paper on how stupid the English language was. And the first half of the paper, at least, was the history of the English language. And the second half of the paper was on learning disabilities. And as it turns out, I didn't know this until I wrote this, but as it turns out, dyslexia means that half of your brain is smaller than average and half of your brain is larger than average. So someone who's dyslexic, their problem solving skills, their reasoning skills, puzzles, that kind of thing, we're actually a lot better at that because our brain on that side is larger. And that was very interesting for me to know. I mean, in college, I had, because I went to a performing uh, degree in theater performance, I took a class. And one of the requirements of like one of the exercises in that class was to do a self-performance, teach the class something about you. It was an experimental acting class, so it was all experimental. But I actually worked at something called the Center for Academic Success, which was tutoring, learning disabilities, physical disabilities. So I ended up working there because I hung out there and I, I ended up liking the people. And right before I had to do this presentation, I was, <laughs> me and a friend of mine decided we were going to go into our personal files and just read them, uh, much to the chagrin of the person who ran <laughs> the department. <laughs> They're like, you can't do that. We're like, ah, there are files. So we're reading and going, I'm stupider in this. You're stupider in that. And I read all my file and I decided to make my performance based on that. And what my performance ended up being was me getting up and saying, I'm Shane, I'm dyslexic. I've been dyslexic for 
at the time 21 years, and I have the reading level of a fourth grader. I stood there for about 10 seconds, and then I said, okay, at the time, my SAT scores were 1,400. My ACT scores were 32, and I have an IQ of 132, and I sat down. Wow. (laughs) And the amount of people that came up to me afterwards to literally, like, again, this was outside of class. They would go, I'm so sorry. Can you explain? I have a very misunderstood version of what dyslexia is in my head. Can you explain this to me? Because uh, the girl, uh, when I ended up dating for a long time, who was in honors, who was in high school, was you know, up there, valedictorian, I don't know valedictorian, but very high in the class, all this stuff, comes up to me very angry and said, you beat me in every single category. What is happening right now? And I was like, there's a very large misunderstanding. So that's one of my biggest things about talking about dyslexia is going, yeah, the text messages I send to you, the emails I send to you, they're going to look bad unless I have somebody proofread them. And so that's one of the first things that I get always when I'm, when I was in college, when I'm running a business, I go, this is something I have to invest in is somebody to proofread my emails, to send out emails, to be the, the go-between for a lot of people. But once they meet me and they talk to me, it's getting past that mental block that they have of, oh, wait, I thought you were an idiot. I go, no, you're an idiot. I'm brilliant. I I love it. I love it. Let's take that and move forward now. And oh, by the way, my roommate through college was a theater major. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I'm so sorry. That had to have been dramatic for you. I I spent a lot of time in the theater because of her. I love it. (laughs) But, and actually podcast movement is the reason I started this podcast. So we'll talk about that later. Okay. You know, it was taking this, actually, no, I'm going to talk about it right now because it's, it's important. I have been in business for almost 40 years, but just before the podcast movement that I went to about three years ago. I had decided, well, I had been in in the car accident and I had been injured and couldn't do things the way I wanted to. And I really want, I had just started my podcast and I really wanted to go to this because I knew nothing about running a podcast, but I'm going, and it was in Florida that year. I almost went to this one because I only lived two hours from Nashville, Uh. but we had been traveling and so I didn't, but yeah, I thought, I'm in Michigan. It's a 14 hour drive to Florida. You know, I'm in a wheelchair. What's it going to be like? But I really need, if I'm going to make this a part of my business, I really need to know how to run a podcast. Mm -hmm. I almost didn't go. We decided to go ahead and do it. We got there. We were in this huge, big exhibition hall that was in the basement of this conference center. And I'm taking the elevator because I'm in a wheelchair, right? Right. You can't go up and down all these stairs. Well, nobody bothered to tell us that there was an outside entrance on that level. So when we were all in and the the room was set up with all the expo tables in the middle and all the workspaces and and the, you know, different rooms were around the outside in a square And my husband pushed me into this one little corner of this one little room and left me. And he went off to be in another episode. Uh So we're starting to talk. The room is full. 
there's people standing, there's people sitting on the floor. It's just packed. And the fire alarm goes off. Oh, no. And at that time, I wasn't in my electric wheelchair. I was in a, you crank it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I only, I don't have use of my right arm. So if I'm cranking it, it's one and I'm going in circles, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get out of the room because everybody was whoosh and nobody was trying to help me. And so we finally got out, got found that we could get outside from that level, got outside, the fire alarms went off, everybody came back in and the fire alarm went off again. (laughs) So twice. Wow. And I was talking to the guys that afterwards, I was talking to the guys that produced the conference. I mean, there were cables all over the floors for all the electric and everything. And it was a real pain in the tuchus for somebody who was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And I was the only one there that I knew of that had some sort of a disability. You couldn't see that anybody else had anything. I'm sure other people had things but i couldn't tell it so i talked to the podcast producers and i said you know you need to and it'd be interesting to hear off off camera you'd be i'd be interested to know if they made any changes because they had not even considered you know handicapped accessible it was just you know but because of my going i realized that it was very important to share what you go through when you have these chronic illnesses and challenges so that you don't give up on your business. Just because you don't read well, that does not mean that you can't run a very successful business. Absolutely. I agree with you a hundred thousand percent. And it's, it's interesting because people will consider things like a CEO going, oh, I'm just not very good at handshakes. Or something. People go, oh, that's, yeah, you can get around that. That's fine. But in an alternate universe, that would be some kind of disability. He's like, oh, I'm, we all have things we're good at and we're not good at. But people will accept some things as, oh, well, you know, that's just some people are good at painting and some people aren't. And then other people will, will take it as, oh, well, that's a disability. I am the head writer of our show. Because I'm not great at proofreading or I type much faster than my brain doesn't mean that I'm not great with story structure and dialogue and and knowing how all these things put together. Again, I just need uh, spell check gets so frustrated with me that they start telling me like, well, did you mean this? Because you keep spelling it this way. Maybe we're wrong. And I'm like, you know what, spell check? You should believe in yourself. Stop telling me that through has six R's in it or something. I used to do stand-up and I had a whole joke about how I spelled cat with a seven. So it's a very, and, and I will tell you that I didn't see cables on the floor at all. All the, the things, everything, um, at least that aspect they had thought about. Hey, that's good um, to know. There were, there <laughs> so were, I helped them too. <laughs> I, you know, but here's the thing is I 100% believe that. Because there are so many things that people don't think about because they don't have to experience it. One, so I do, like I said, fiction podcasting. It's full cast, full sound. It's like Game of Thrones meets Princess Bride is what I do. The the current show, Carcerum. One thing that I've been trying to reach out to organizations are uh, visually impaired audiences. 
And when I say that to to podcasters or to fiction podcasters, the amount of times that they just like are like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. And I'm like, it shouldn't it. It's a great idea, but it shouldn't be a brilliant idea. It should be a of course idea. And it's interesting because it's also hard. I've reached out to some and some are very hesitant about going, well, why are you contacting us? Or, well, you know, we don't need new things. I'm like, it's not about it's not about calling anything bad or good. It's just this is absolutely a, a, a medium that is designed for you. But because people aren't walking around, you know, not everybody's walking around visually impaired. They don't think about it. So that's one of the the amazing things when you find the brilliant people when when they go, that's a great idea. Not, well, that's not really anything I know anything about. So I'm not going to deal with it. It's whether they fight you on it or they go, oh, that's really, yeah, let's talk. Um, and I find that in, in most businesses all over the place. I mean, I would say 90% of the people I work with have no idea because I try to get on the phone more than do emails. Well, let's stop for a second because I think that's yes. important. That That's an important idea for you know it's a lot of times and I myself because I have very little use of this one arm I don't do a lot of emailing or -hmm. texting because I can't do it I do talking so somebody but I also because I'm trying to write down notes I'm trying to remember things I don't like talking on the telephone I like zoom calls because right. I can see your face. I can understand what you're saying because I can see the emotions. I've still got my hands free so I can write notes, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But what do you do? I mean, everybody has their own likes and dislikes. And, you know, what do you do as a business owner when you're picking up the phone and trying to call someone and they say, oh, just send me a text. Do you explain to them that it's a whole lot easier for you to talk than it is to write? Or do you just try to figure out how you're going to do it the way they want it? It's an interesting question. And and I'm going to answer that question in the form of a story that I did an interview with somebody about two, three weeks ago. It was an it was a podcast interview, a man named Hardball, who was a very, I love the interview. It was great. It, it was slightly worse than this one, which is going great. <laughs> slightly worse but it's going great okay, okay no i'm just okay. saying this one's going really well that one was going very well as well but i don't know it was supposed to be a compliment that backfired on me let's just go with that i love um, it, I love it. <laughs> but we emailed a little bit but his emails were very very short and i in my infinite wisdom was a, bit, a little taken aback by going well, you know, I've asked a question and they're very short emails. And I'm like, I don't know how this, this interview is going to go or anything. I get on the, the phone call with him and it turns out he's blind. So somebody saying, look, it's easier just email me or easier just text me. They may be dealing with their own form of dyslexia or, or something. So I pride myself in, in my flexibility. I pride myself in my ability to kind of roll with the situations that's one reason why my business is successful because I'll have people call me or email me and say, Hey, we need this very specialty thing. Can you do it? And I'll say, yes, I'll get off the phone and go, all right, how am I going to figure out how to do that? I've done that all my life. Yep. Exactly. So 
I prefer to set up in-person meetings, phone calls, but if I have resistance, I will try to adapt. Sometimes I'll, I'll explain or I'll have somebody else proofread all my emails, depending on who the client is, but it is a interesting place to be. I will usually, after interacting with somebody for a little while, if it's going to go to email or text, especially with text, I will sort of casually throw in the idea that I have dyslexia and that I'm not great at this stuff. And most of the time they go, seriously? I go, yeah, just wait till we start texting. A lot of times if I'm dating somebody, that will also happen. Um, We'll be texting back and forth and then eventually I'll throw in the dyslexia thing. They go, really? And I go, have you read our text? They go, this makes a whole lot of sense. I think that's important. And one of the things... You're a man. I am. You're a man, you know, and I think that makes a bit of a difference in your willingness. And I don't know, answer this question for (laughs) me. I think it makes a bit of a difference in your ability to acknowledge that you have something that makes you a little bit different than- I mean, it's a disability and and I, I won't disagree with you. I can't talk about if I wasn't a white guy, but I can't imagine that- as somebody who is, that it is allowed, it is more socially acceptable and allowed for me to have something that's wrong, quote unquote, and people to deal with that instead of going, you know, this is a terrible example, but it's like, if you're a, you know, society wise, if you're a woman, that's already a notch against you in some people's minds. As a white guy, I don't have that notch against me. So it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, When I write my characters, I don't write gender, race, or sexual orientation, and we just cast who's best for the thing. So like when we're literally writing them, we don't have those things in mind because of those those kinds of things. What I, what I was heading towards is mm-hmm. for women in general, we are raised with the concept of we do it all. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the business, we take care of the family, we take care of the house, we do all of those things. And if we can't do something for whatever the reason is, that's what's more wrong with us than, than the actual thing that's wrong. Well, and so we don't allow ourselves to even acknowledge it, let alone tell other people about it. Well, and I will, and I will say this as as a white male, um, we are raised as in there's nothing wrong, and if you think there's something wrong with me, come at me, bro, kind of thing. I I do a lot of dyslexic people. I know um, uh, other people with other disabilities who are white men, and we they they try to hide all that stuff. Because we're not allowed to have those flaws. Interesting. Because, you know, growing up, bullied, jerks, you know, all that kind of thing. People will pick up on anything and and come at you because whoever's bullying you or whatever has their own flaws they don't want to focus on. So they come at you. So it's funny. I've done a lot of jobs. One of my jobs, uh, I lived in New York for about five years and I was a construction worker for events, for theaters, for fashion week, for, for all those kinds of things. You may know and my I, roommate. <laughs> there you go. I was standing next to a friend in the middle of Times Square. We were about to start a job and some tourists came by and said some smart comment and I responded. 
And he looks at me and goes, man, I wish I was as fast as you were. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I was on my skateboard the other day and I fell off and there were people that watched and they started laughing. And if you were there, you would have had some kind of smart comment about something. And I said, well, were you bullied in school? He goes, no, not really. I was one of the cool kids. And I go, then why would you have become funny? My entire life from a very, very young age, I had to be that quick-witted person. I had to come up with those things to say. I became that funny, quick-witted person who, when somebody would comment on my dyslexia, when somebody would comment on this, I would have a response. I was that fast. And it's become more and more and more. So I feel more confident telling people about any flaws that I have for a number of reasons. One, I, I had to learn how to ask for help. Proofreading, I had to learn. But I also had to learn how to deal with prejudice or whatever you want to call it. And as I've said to a number of people, and this sounds cocky, but when you say it to somebody who's bullying you, it really puts them in their place is that when they say they say something and then I say something back and they say something like, you know, like, screw you, you know, I, I used to like you, what the hell happened? And I say something like, look, you don't want to do this because I'm smarter than you are and I'm funnier than you are and I'm faster than you are and you should walk away. They will usually walk away because because I'm right. If I'm in a, again, work as a construction worker, they're not the cleanest, most, you know, civilized people sometimes. I have a huge problem with bullying. I have a huge problem with bullying. So if I see somebody else getting bullied, I'm fast and people know it and I will walk up and I'll stop whatever's happening. And it is good that I'm amusing because if not, I would have gotten my ass kicked a long time ago. I've learned a long time ago that if I can get everybody else laughing at this one person who's a jerk, they can't touch me. So that was my superpower. The, so how important yeah. is it for any of us who are in business and have some sort of a chronic issue, how important is it for us to be open and vulnerable and let other people know that, hey, I'll use an example. Hmm? I had a pre-interview set up with a person that I wanted to see. They wanted to be on the podcast. Uh-huh. And I had set up this interview to see if they were a fit. Well, I was getting ready for surgery and the doctor called and said, we need you at the hospital right now for blood work. I had to call and cancel the appointment. Uh-huh. I just said, I'm sorry. I've got a doctor's appointment that came up. I've got to reschedule. Next time we were scheduled, I think I had COVID. It was before it was before COVID was a thing, uh-huh. but I was really, really sick and I couldn't talk. I had laryngitis and I was coughing and I couldn't breathe and I had to cancel the interview again. Again, I didn't say this is why. I got an email back from the woman saying, well, obviously you don't care enough about getting me on your show, me, this big, wonderful, important person. You don't care about that enough. So we're just going to forget the whole thing. I'm moving on. I don't want to have anything to do with your podcast. And I'm going, geez, maybe I should have explained to her what was going on. Uh-huh. So how... I don't think a lot of times, I don't think we explain to people, you know, something is going on that you may not be aware of. Please be gentle, <laughs> you know, what do you, what are your thoughts? It's an iffy thing. You, you shouldn't necessarily have to explain all the ins and outs of your condition, your procedure, whatever's personal to you is personal to you. I do think that you shouldn't 
if you're not telling somebody what's going on because you feel ashamed of something, I think that you shouldn't be ashamed of this stuff. You shouldn't feel that I have to hide this because I will feel judged by this other person. Because if they judge you based on that stuff, that's their issue. A long time ago, I came up with this thing where it's like, look, nobody is worth being treated poorly. I don't care if the biggest so-and-so comes to me and says, yeah, well, I'm going to treat you like crap, but I'm going to make you a billion dollars. I'm going to go, yeah, it's worth paying you a billion dollars to not have to deal with you for the rest of my life. So that's how I feel about that. If in the example that you talked about, I've had people cancel on interviews on me a number of times and I decide whether based on, on whatever, whether I want to continue going down that path or not. I'm not going to burn that bridge, so to speak. I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know what they're going on. So I would never go, well, screw you, screw this, screw that, because I don't know what you're going through. If they say, hey, I have to recancel again. I've told people, I was like, great, I, I can't keep doing this. You know, so let's, you know, if you ever want to have me again, really schedule a time. But part of it is because I have rescheduled my schedule to make this happen. If you had told me, it's like, look, this doctor's appointment came up, this thing came up, I might be understanding, but I can decide how it affects me. But if I say, hey, I really can't do this over email, can we please jump on a phone call? And they say, no, I can't do that. This is unacceptable. Then I go, great, I'm bye. <laughs> bye. But again, they're dealing with their own things. It's not personal to me, whatever they're going through, because they don't know me. They, they can't know me. They've never met me. They haven't interviewed me. I come from a lot of doctors. There are scientists, doctors, back a number of generations in my family. I am not one. But it's the same scientific brain of me believing that everything people do is about self-preservation and evolution. So if you're going to treat me poorly, it's because somewhere in the deep cockles of your brain, you think that you have to do that for your own self-preservation and survival. And survival of your own mental health. So if I say, I'm dyslexic, I can't do with this. And you come back to me like, you're dyslexic. Oh my God, that's so stupid. Like, like I can't, you know what I go, well, yeah, your brain is broken because you think that you have to make fun of me to make yourself better. So I don't really want to deal with somebody who's on a lower form of evolution than the rest of us. Have a good day. Um, so I think it's, especially if you're going to a meeting and you're like, I need access to a, you know, a wheelchair ramp or something like that. If, you know, you're going to a coffee shop and you're like, oh, I know this great coffee shop. I think it's important to go, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. Is there, is it possible to get into this place for me? I've also dealt with people who, that would feel like, well, I shouldn't have to tell you that it should, you know, every place we go, you should be ready for this thing. And I'm like, well, you can't expect me to be ready for things that I don't know about. And I can't expect you to be ready for things that you don't know about. So that's really how I feel about sort of the question that you're asking. Don't hide something because you're ashamed of it. But if it doesn't come up because it just doesn't come up, you can't uh, really worry about it. Okay. And how people react to it is really on them, not on you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think these are so, and I can't believe I just looked at the clock and I went, Oh, shoot. Look at how much time you spent. Wow. <laughs> I'll come back anytime. I That's fantastic. I'll, I'll hold you to that. This yeah, has please. been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I've loved every minute of it. I've learned a lot. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you need to share with us? 
not really the only thing I'll say is if you if you think I'm full of it and I'm running a poor business or something, uh, go listen to Carcerum. It's a podcast. It's like I said, we have Jane Lynch in it, Neil Flynn, Pinky and the Brain are both in it, a bunch of Ninja Turtles. But I want you know, the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> well, we got I have three or four of Ninja Turtles in it. The, you have the any flying pigs? <laughs> I got Porky. Does that help you? They're, they're, they're not doing those voices, but all of the actors that play those parts uh, are in the show. And, oh and so go listen to it because we, we made it really good. And, if, and you listen to it and go, yeah, I can't tell a dyslexic guy was the head writer of this and made this thing happen. Maybe you should re- reevaluate how you think about dis- disabilities. The first your podcast will be in the show notes, too. So there you go. We'll be able to go and look. And I'll leave you on on this. I this is one of my favorite stories. When I was told I was dyslexic, I was four or five. And I remember this very specifically because they hadn't tested. I didn't know what I was being tested for. I sit down at this doctor who I remember what she looks like, but we we sit in this room and she's very serious. And it's just me and her. And she's like, okay, so you have something called dyslexia. And I go, okay. I go, what is that? She goes, well, it's, it's a disability. It means that you have a hard time reading and spelling. And in my head, I'm going, duh, you had to test me for that. I, I'm aware of that. She goes, it's a disability and, and this stuff. And do you have any questions? And again, at a young age, I was like, this is really uncomfortable. How can I you know, get out of this situation? I know all of these things. And I look at her and I go, it's a disability. And she said, yes. I go, do I get one of those parking sticker thingies? She just starts laughing. She said, no. And I go, then what, why do I care? What, what's happening here? <laughs> so I love it. I- there's no disability you need to be ashamed of. Absolutely. That is wonderful. And a perfect way to end this interview. (laughs) Thank you so much. No problem. To wrap things up often after a podcast, people want to know more about some of the things that we do at Business Success Unlimited. And it's exactly what we've been talking about today. That's good. Yeah, we, we talk about how disabilities are just a different way of living. You have to figure out ways to get around it, but it's doable. You should be. I'm proud of my disability because it's been able to help me help so many other people. So, you know, if you'd like to hop on a Zoom, my contact information, as well as Shane's, will be in the show notes. Or you can email me at nancy at businesssuccessunlimited.com. If you like what you've heard and you want some help doing anything to help you run your business, let's hop on a Zoom call, send me a message, and we'll see what we can do. In the meantime, guys, if you have any questions, leave us notes at the bottom of the podcast. If you have ideas on the kinds of things you'd like to hear about in the future, let me know. And until we talk again next week on our next podcast, get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye, y'all.